Hey Wild Ones, this is Mystic Pop Music Artist Michelle Vreeland. Um, you have found my podcast where I discuss um, ways that you can rewild your mind and your heart um, in connection with Mother Earth. Um, I also talk about um, mental health, I talk about spiritual things, I talk about wellness, um, mindfulness. Um, in this particular episode, I'm going to be talking about the state of the world, mainly in America. Um, I'm actually in the heart of Los Angeles right now in the midst of all of the riots and the marching and the protest and all that stuff. So I wanted to discuss that from a healing perspective. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing um, that and ways that we can approach this time in ways that we can be of service and, and help those that are suffering and um so anyway i hope you find some golden nuggets in here and in some words of wisdom during a time of tribulation anyway guys i hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much It is Sunday morning, May 31st, 2020, um, and I'm in Los Angeles um, in the heart, just down the street from all the um, protests and the riots and the looting and the fires and the helicopters and all of that stuff. I, um, I don't know. I've kind of had all night to process. Like, I kind of went through a rage of emotions um, over the course of the last few days. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit where, um, where I, it's so weird because I want to write all this stuff down, you know, but my brain is moving so fast, um, because, because of just what I'm processing in terms of my opinion, but also the way that I feel and my emotions. So, I want to try to break it down a little bit um, for you because at first when I was seeing my city, which is, you know, a few blocks away from here being vandalized and spray painted and destroyed, I was really upset. Like what is going on? <laughs> Why are they terrorizing and destroying um, property? You know, like, cause I thought it was a protest, you know, like you go and, you protest and, um, you know, just like people do, which, you know, I myself have participated in marches and protests. And I'm very much for people having that right and doing it. And um, but when I saw it escalate into um, graffiti and destruction of property and all kinds of stuff, I wasn't sure what to, what to make of it. And my first reaction was, oh, my gosh, they're destroying property. <laughs> 
what's happening, you know? Like, you know, like they were using the march as an excuse. Like that was my thought at first, you know, like they're using it as an excuse just to be anarchists and to create mayhem. And then I kind of had all night to think about it and to um, process it. And of course, the helicopters were raging all night long. And I was scared, I'll be honest with you, because I was scared that you know, criminal activity would find its way to where I was because I wasn't sure if people were using um, this particular moment in time of outrage to commit crimes, you know, like some like so I was a little worried that some of the people were legitimately raging, legitimately upset, um, legitimately fighting back, and then others were maybe using it as an excuse to create anarchy and to make it the matter worse. You know, like I was a little worried about that. And then I got thinking about everything. I woke up this morning and and I got thinking about everything. And, um, and I realized that there's a lot more to the story here, you know, than what maybe many of us are realizing. Um, those of us that have had the privilege of, you know, being white per se and not having to be persecuted in any way or judged any way by the color of their skin, they're really not going to understand what it feels like to live and breathe every single day of your life, knowing that the moment you walk out that door, it could be your last because of the way that you look, because of who you are. And I can't even imagine that really. And because I don't have to, I don't live with that fear, you know. I do live with other kinds of fear, just like we all do from being human. Um, but I remember, you know, times, because I have a mixed race son, you know, he's um, Asian, he's half Asian, half um, Filipino, and he looks Latino, you know, a lot of people think he's Latino. Um, and I worry about him too, you know, and I remember, and he's special needs on top of it. And so I have a lot of worries as a mom. And I remember going to meetings, I would go to like IEP meetings, which are meetings that are held um, for people that have special needs for school, right? So what you do in these meetings is um, you mediate um, services for um whoever the IEP is for. And so if a parent doesn't know how to mediate for themselves and their child, they're probably not going to get the services that are available for that particular child. And so I remember, and so I had to learn how to be a good um, mediator in these meetings. I had to learn how to do that. And I remember there was a time when I would, um, because my son is, you know, technically, you know, he looks, you know, brown or whatever. And, um, and I remember I was late to a meeting and they were trying to not give him a certain amount of services. I, I remember the overall feeling and then I walk in and they, I remember seeing the look on their faces that he had a white mother like they were very surprised. I could see it in their face that they were surprised that he had a white mother. And 
all of a sudden the tone changed in the room that I would get whatever I wanted because I was white. Like I could feel it. It was weird. It was the weirdest thing. And I remember the, the, cause I was late to the meeting. They were already kind of trying to decide like what he was going to get, not going to get. And I walk in and I've got my bun up. I've got my red lips on. I got my green eyes, my white skin, all that. I walk in and they look up and they're like, Oh, she's white. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, I'm like, no, he's getting this, he's getting that, you're giving him this, you're giving him that. And they did. They gave me, well, him, my son, everything that I asked for, because I asked for it. And I remember that feeling that it did feel like white privilege. It felt, and then I felt sad. I felt sad for all the kids and families and parents out there that don't get services, that don't get what they want. Because of their color, the, the, because of their their orientation, you know, their the color of their skin, and they don't get looked at, and they don't get treated like they matter, and that their child matters, and that the services that the child needs matters. And it made me really sad, because I understood at that moment that if I wasn't there, you know. And let's say something happened to me and I wasn't there. I couldn't be the mother to my son. My son wouldn't get the help and the services that he needs to help him through this life, to help him to navigate his way through this world. He wouldn't get it. And a lot of people of color don't get it. They don't get the help. They don't get the services. They don't get heard. They just don't. And I understand that. I'm, I, I should say I'm compassionate to that. I feel compassionate towards that, f what they're going through. I can, I, can, I can have empathy and understand. And when I see any child, it doesn't matter. It really hurts me to know that there are children out there because of the color of their skin not getting the help and, and that they deserve just like anyone else. And, um, and I do worry, I worry about my son, he's 19 now, and he's an older gentleman, and he loves metal music, he has long hair, he looks like a metal guy, and kind of has a look of, you know, someone who could be up to trouble, right? And I worry about him being profiled, you know, because he doesn't, because of the way he looks, he doesn't get really to benefit, you know, that so many white people benefit from the privilege of being white in America. I mean, it's very real. And to sit back on a high horse and judge what other people have to go through, it, it feels like that's a, the wrong thing to be doing right now. And I wanted to talk about this because I do have an opinion. And I know a lot with this podcast, I try to keep everything really high vibe. I try to keep it really positive, but also part of being a wild one is really paying attention to the truth. It's not about necessarily maintaining um, a, a bubble mentality, but it's about paying attention to the truth, you know, and having compassion for other people. And, and part of the healing process is really understanding that, really understanding that we need to um, be compassionate towards others, but also compassionate towards ourself and our own journeys. I, um, 
because everyone's going to have a different journey that they're going through, you know, and we can judge all we want, but you're never really going to know someone else's journey until you're in their shoes. You know, you're just never really going to know. And um, so I just think now is the time to be compassionate. You have to understand that, you know, I'm also somebody I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a survivor of, of childhood trauma like sexual trauma. And I've had to, over the course of my lifetime, I've had to heal from that. And I've had to heal from a lot of other things too, where, you know, I was raised in a family where, um, my father was more than likely an undiagnosed, um, autistic person, like an Asperger's autistic person. And my mom was, um, mentally ill like she suffered from psychosis and schizophrenia and stuff and so she really struggled with day-to-day -day life like making dinner and um keeping us clean and putting clothes on us that were appropriate and brushing our hair and things like that like we were as kids very neglected and I say we because I'm one of 11 children eight are from my mom and dad and four of us were born one right after the other, like very, very, we were smacked four of us, boom, you know, within a, like a three and a half year period. So we all were kind of like, you know, and then there was stuff going on, um, in the neighborhood and there was like really not good people. And then just being bullied at school and like just constant, constant trauma. It felt like everywhere I went, <laughs> just like traumatized, you know, <laughs> And you don't even know you're being traumatized because you're a kid and you're just like new to the world and you're not sure like how it all supposed to work until you figure it out when you're older. You're like, oh, that wasn't supposed to work out like that. And um, so anyway, so I, so in my journey, my healing process, my my journey, I've had to learn to navigate different things and um, and. And in this process, I've realized, you know, because I remember before, uh, before getting to where I am today in my healing process, I was very angry, very, very angry person, very angry at a lot of things, a lot of people, I would get angry very quick. And this is before I started my healing journey. Um, and then I remember that anger just being rage. And I remember feeling this rage inside of me that if something or someone were to were to light a match to it or a spark, I would just lash, you know, the, you know, <laughs> just like a, just really lash. And I remember just a ticking time bomb of rage. And I had to figure out a way to healthy, to healthily, what's the word healthily? <laughs> to heal this rage without it hurting myself or anyone else. Cause I knew it was a ticking time bomb. I could feel it inside of me. I could feel it. And anger sometimes feels good when you're suffering and when you're hurt, anger feels good. Sometimes you feel like, whoo, like you were able to release, you know, something especially when you experience trauma, you know, 
And then, um, and it's hard to explain to people that have never really experienced trauma and does and don't know what it's like to be traumatized and then to have to try to figure out a way to navigate through the world. Cause it's like, you look normal and you sound normal, right? But you don't feel normal on the inside. Something's not right on the inside. So you're trying to like heal that at the same time, be a member of society. Right. And, um, so anyway, I wanted to talk about this because I think it's important because what's happening here is almost like, like America is the alcoholic father, you know, that's, <laughs> that's traumatizing its children. You know what I mean? And that's what it feels like right now is that America is at a place where it's like, the alcoholic dad that's just like trying to be the bully and getting away with all this stuff and deciding who lives and who dies and who gets freedom and who doesn't and uh, who, who, who gets a free pass and who doesn't get a free pass and who gets to feel safe and who, and, and who gets to live in fear. It, it, that's kind of what it feels like right now. Like if it feels very, that's what America feels like right now. Um, and what we need is to kind of really look at that because ignoring it and saying, oh, well, America's fine. It's perfect the way it is. The Constitution's perfect. Everything's perfect. It's these people that aren't perfect. Then you're really not looking at it through a, a lens um, of someone else's shoes. You're not really being open enough to really understanding what's going on with somebody else. You know, um, because what really what we need is to, as a, as a, as a country, we need to take a look at what's really, really happening. And we need to be compassionate towards those that are underserved in this country. Um, and, and when we, and we need to look at it in order to heal it. And, you know, this things, this, um, saying has been coming up to me all week and it's um you can't heal what you can't see so i'll say it again you can't heal what you can't see and um so i just wanted to kind of like we're at a point now where we're seeing what needs to be healed we're seeing the pain. We're seeing the rage. We're seeing the anger. So we all need to bind together and go, okay, um, America's been the alcoholic dad, been kind of abusive. We need to, like, get that alcoholic dad in check, you know, because it's not right. It's just not. And so and this planet, in my opinion, is like the loving mother, Right. You know, because we all we're all children of the of, of this planet. And that's why I always, you know, connect with um, the plants. Because I feel like the plants and connecting to this world has a way of being a source of healing all on its own. And, um, I'm not sure why those bells went off, but I guess we'll figure that one out. <laughs> but, um, so for me, for someone, okay. So for someone 
who has experienced trauma, who's had to find a way to heal, who's had to look at the various um, areas of my life and myself and my psyche and all that stuff. Um, I've realized that, um, that the way to healing is understanding what our, um, is what our nature is and also keeping things kind of simple, like in terms of where, um, of who we are, like simplifying it, like, you know, we're born, we are children of the earth because we're born here on this earth an earthly planet, you know? And then, um, and so the more that we connect to it, the more that we connect our, our, our self to this planet, um, is where we can really find healing because this planet is a mirror to a sense to our psyche because, you know, and understanding like how good it feels to know that we get to be children of this earth. It really does simplify a lot of things like, and it simplifies, um, the, um, I was going to say something, but it wasn't correct, um, of what I meant. Um, but I kind of, <laughs> okay. So let me just step back a little bit because I think this will make a little more sense. So last week I fell down a rabbit hole of listening to, um, music and I was listening to Bob Marley. Um, I was listening to a lot of his songs and in high school, I was really into Bob Marley. In fact, I was so into reggae music in high school. I wrote three reggae songs, which were my first official, um, songs that I've ever written. I mean, like really like real songs that could, could be recorded and turned into something really cool. Like those were my first, they were reggae songs. <laughs> That's how much I was really into reggae. And, um, and then, so I was really felt called to listen to Bob Marley again. It actually made me feel really, really good to hear his music and to hear, um, him sing the songs he was singing. And then, um, another song came up and it was Louis Armstrong, um, what a wonderful world. And it was, um, and this song was my grandfather's favorite song. And it was also, it's also my, one of my favorite songs as well. Whenever I hear it, I just feel my spirit lift up. And um, and in this YouTube video, though, this is something interesting. In this YouTube video, Louis Armstrong was singing it live. And you could see in his eyes because he would go in and out of like he had that beautiful big smile that he would have. And then when he and then he would stop and then you could see in his eyes the pain. And then he would go back to singing and then big smile and then stop and then you would see pain in his eyes and then I started to see really what he meant by that song I could see it I could feel it as he was singing what a wonderful world I, I could see it and what he was saying was yes there's pain and atrocities and injustice and awfulness in the world and all kinds of terrible things and that I and you could see that even he personally was dealing with but in that song what he meant was 
Look at how beautiful the world is. Look at the sky. Look at the flowers. Look at the simpleness. Um, I mean, look at, look at the beauty in simple things. That is how you heal. That is how you make yourself sane during times of trouble and times of turbulence. You connect with how beautiful it is to be alive. And this world is a reminder of how beautiful it is. And that's what he was saying. And then another video came up and he actually, in an interview, said exactly what I felt he was saying while he was singing it. He actually said it in the interview um, that if you focus on the world at large. And so anyway, I wanted to bring that up because um, that is what I personally have learned too. Like when you experience pain and you experience trauma and you experience awful feelings of neglect and um, injustice, when you, to keep yourself sane and to find a source of healing, know that you are a child of the earth. Just as much as, as you're a child of God, if you believe in that stuff. But you're, you're a child of earth. Your body is of this earth. Your DNA, you share DNA with trees. Your, your body, your earthly body shares DNA with trees. That's how much you are connected to this earth. And, um, and when you connect to it, and you put your feet in the sand, and you put your feet on the grass, and you connect, and you plant something, and you allow yourself to feel the beautiful glory that is life here on earth, then you start to heal. You start to become calm. It starts to all make sense. That it isn't about the madness. It's about the beauty of life. The beauty of life. And I remember even as a little kid when I was going through awful things. And I was, life was hard for me. I didn't, kids were awful at school all the time. It was hard at home. It was constant yelling. Um, it was just hard. And how I got through it as a kid is I would play in the garden. I'd make mud pies. I'd play with um, worms. <laughs> I played with weevils. I, you know, climb a tree. I was always outside. And I, th there were some flowers growing on the side of our house that I liked to hang out with and play with. And that, I feel like, kept me sane. And I feel like as we're older, we're all caught up in, oh, material things and the TV and Netflix and all this modern conveniences that we forget that we're also a child of this earth. And that when, the more we connect with her, the more we understand what life really, really is. And one of the things that I had to realize is that a, part of the gift of having life, like of being alive, is that you must understand that life in itself is extremely violent. The process of life is violent. I mean, even the creation of the Big Bang Theory and how all the planets were smashing each other and, you know, to create, eventually create planets. That was an extremely violent process. And even um, just being you know, the way our, the water is and fire and earth. And if you start understanding the elements, they have elements of violence in them. But you must understand that that is life. That is also part of life. 
is the violence. It's a part of life. And it's an uncomfortable part that we don't like. It's a process that we want to run from and hide from. But it is the reality. It's the truth. And so it all starts to make more sense when we surrender to the beauty of life. You know, it all starts to make sense. And so that's why when I plant something or I learn how to grow something and, you know, it really, it's more, for me, it's more than just, oh, look, I'm growing food. Like for me, it's, it's a teacher. This earth is a teacher to me. It's a teacher in patience and, and in wisdom and in cycles. Like even when I first started to make a compost years ago, I was so afraid of making a compost. I can't tell you how disgusted I was at the idea of making a compost. I can't even tell you. I, in fact, I was so grossed out by it, I couldn't even sleep that night, the night I made it, because I just thought composting was disgusting. I mean, I'm a Virgo. I like everything to be pristine and clean and perfect and all this stuff. And so it really went against my natural feelings of wanting, you know, to <laughs> things rotting, you know, in a canister, like it just really grossed me out. But I knew I had to, I had to surrender to the idea of the natural way of life. I knew I had to surrender to this, this compost idea. And I did. And I learned a lot about myself during this process about my way of thinking and, and how, um, rigid I was in terms of, um, what life really is about. And what I've learned about the compost is all these things that are rotting in the back of you, eventually they become black gold. They become the most nourishing part of your planting process of your seed, of your seed becoming an actual um, life-giving plant. And there's a million lessons just in compost alone, by the way. I mean, that we could, you know, it would, we could go on and on about that. There's so many lessons there in composting. And I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about myself and about my fears and about overcoming certain fears that in some ways were unrealistic and also holding me back which also led me to do my shadow work. Like, why am I so afraid of my shadow? Why am I afraid of my darkness, my inner wolf? It made me start to realize that I had a lot of unhealed shadow stuff. Because there was a part of me, because of the trauma, I always wanted to make everybody feel good, everyone to be happy, and, you know, and that kept going. And then when you're like that, then when you become like that, then you eventually you grow into a person that you don't even know what you really want. You're not even sure what you want. And that's a problem to not know what you want, you know? And, um, So I've had to learn how to work through that. And that's, of course, leads to the shadow work. So this is what my wild one journey and the sprays are all about, is that I was able to kind of compile a lot of the lessons that I had to go through and harness that energy, just like I harness it into music. I harness them into the sprays and the sprays in turn truly are lessons that I had to learn 
um, that I'm still in a way learning. Like you're always going to be learning these lessons, but I had to learn them in a way where it's made me more of a whole person, like someone who really understands um, things a little, uh, quite a bit better than I did before going on the journey. And um, so, and that's why I'm here doing this podcast and doing all the stuff because I, I want to share that with you guys. I want to share the wisdom and the knowledge that I personally have gained through healing um, with you. So when I do the sprays and I share these things with you, it really is a way of giving back to my community and giving back to you so that you can um, have a roadmap of your healing process of, of how you can um, achieve your things. And I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm the, and I'm the answer to all your problems and this and that. But what I am saying is that there is hope and healing. There is a hope that in whatever it is that you're going through right now, that you can heal. You have the power to be your own master and commander and to heal yourself. I truly, truly believe that, that you carry the power. And if you're being oppressed by somebody, you always have your inner self as your guide. You have who you are on the inside guiding you. You have your spirit, you have your mind, you have your body, and that is you. You always have you. And if you can learn to, to develop the relationship with yourself, there's going to be power and strength in that. But, you know, when we go about and we going back to the state of the world of things right now and the riots and everything that's happening is that we need to really understand this, um, what's going on in the world through a compassionate lens. You know, there's always a time for everything. There's a time to rage. There's a time for peace. There's a time for um, for healing. There's a time for love. There's a time for, you know, setting boundaries. Because really what this is, is like setting boundaries. Like, hey, you've pushed too far, you know, and um, for too long, <laughs> you know, only so, a person can only take so much before they hit their boiling point. And uh, people can only take so much before they hit a boiling point. And um, we're all that way. We all can relate to that. We're only going to put up with so much until we hit a boiling point. You know, we're all, we, we all have that in us. So I just sort of feel like um, I just wanted to get on here and speak about this stuff and to lend my two cents, to lend my ear um, about it. And and I wanted to also just know that, let you know that there's hope in healing. There's hope in, in all of this and in the explosions and in the, and in the everything that's um, happening right now. This is going back to the idea of like you can't heal what you can't see. And now we're seeing it. Okay, we're seeing it. So let's do our part to heal it. That's all of us, if we all do our part, big or small, to heal what's going on in the world, to heal what's happening, especially in, a, in America, because it's not right. It's not right, the prejudice that's going on and that's openly allowed to go on. It's, too, it's, it's enough already, enough. You know, um, 
But because we can see it, and this is the silver lining, because we can see it, we can heal it. So just remember that. Because we can see it, we can heal it. And just really have faith and believe in that. Believe in your ability to heal yourself. And when you heal yourself, you heal the people that are around you. It just naturally happens. People just start to elevate. They'll either elevate with you or they'll, um, or they'll move away from you. Like they won't want to be near you. But, but that's what I found is that people either elevate with you when you're healing or they move away. They kind of, oh, I don't really radiate with that. And then they move away, they move on. But if they're receptive to your healing process, they will elevate along with you. And I have noticed that. So focus on your healing, focus on your inner work, you know, be there for your neighbor, understand that this is an important process that's going on in the world and on the planet towards healing, towards becoming a, a brighter and better world. And the world will become a brighter and better world. It will take time, but at some point it will get there. And so in the meantime, try to be compassionate to what's happening. and Don't judge. Be compassionate to what's happening. And then do your best to work with what's going on right now. And um, so I just wanted to um, share this with you and to let you guys know that um, I'm here and that if you want to join um, the I'm a Wild One Facebook group, you're more than welcome to join that. It'll be in the show notes below. And um and it's a free group. Um, anyone can join. It's a private group, though. And and if you, it's just a place where to feel like you can have conversations and just not be alone and things like that. Um, and then um, also you can go to I'mawildone.com, which is my website, and it's a shop as well. But it's also where these podcasts are at. And um, and I do try to offer some tools, some healing tools, um, that are there and, and sprays that are there. Um, and, um, so anyway, guys, I, um, thank you. And I will be talking to you soon. In the meantime, many blessings to you.